Hey gang, I want to welcome our new sponsor, Moded, HelloModed.com. Some of y'all have been asking me where I got my Wu-Tang hat with the San Diego emblem inside the Wu-Tang emblem. Well, it's from Moded, HelloModed.com. Go and check it out. They got all kinds of Wu-Tang patches. They got patches from the 90s, like Guts. Do you remember that show, Guts, on Nickelodeon? They got a Guts patch. Go get yourself some. They got Biggie Smalls. They got p- pins. Pins from Blood In, Blood Out. Chon Chon, give me some. You know that saying, Blood In, Blood Out, baby. They got they got funny patches like your mom's a Lyft driver. ModedHelloModed.com. Get all your embroidery needs met. They do custom work. They got pins. They got hats. And every day they are expanding their catalog. So go to ModedHelloModed.com. M-O-D-E-D-H-E-L-L-A-M-O-D-E-D.com. Go check them out. Now on with the show. No, it's uh, it's we're basically if you don't know what a van cast is, a van cast is I just in, we're in the tour van. So I have a bunch of these, nine of them, obviously. So you can go back and listen to them. But it's been a long time since I've done a van cast, so I'm pretty happy that I was able to share this with you guys. Also, this is part of the lost tapes, and I'm just gonna remind everybody that the lost tapes are are from the time that I went on tour with Skanks Roots Project and forgot my podcast recorder at the last exit live in Phoenix, Arizona. So J-Rock from J-Rock Live, he sent it back to me from Arizona because he's so fucking nice. So again, much love and praise to J-Rock. Definitely go check him out, J-Rock Live. You can find him. He's out there, J-R-O-C and then L-I-V-E. J-Rock Live, go find him. He's out on Instagram and, and Facebook. Go go be his friend. He does a lot of cool stuff for the reggae scene, especially in Arizona. So uh, anyways, that is what this is. And also, I hope you liked our new sponsor, our little ad at the front there. Go to modedhellamoded.com, M-O-D-E-D-H-E-L-L-A-M-O-D-E-D.com, our new sponsor. Go support them. Go do that right now. Stop listening, or you can keep listening. You can also go to reinamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com, and go check out our latest album, 1018. I had the honor of penning a couple of songs uh, along with my beautiful wife, Raina Mystique. So go check it out, reinamystique.com. And while you're out there, go to wespeakenglishgood.net and...
specialannouncement.com. Raina was nice enough to buy the .com domain. So you can either go to .com or .net. Got them both. No big deal. Uh, also, give us a review on iTunes. That that does actually great things for us. Give us a review. You can just give us a, a five-star review if you want. Uh, it, that's if you think we deserve it. If not, you're totally welcome to give us a one-star. I don't think there is a one-star, but the, but that's okay. Go give us a rating. Go go share us. Go leave a comment on our Facebook or our Instagram. You can also write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. Write the show and, uh, you know, if you comment or write the show or leave a review, I'll read them on air most of the time. Sometimes. Not all the time. Well, actually, part of the time I read them on air. So, okay, guys, that's it for now. Um, I wanted to make this short and sweet because I really like this podcast. This is on our way to Phoenix uh, as we're driving along the highway. We talk about a myriad of things, but especially I get pretty heated about uh, having to smuggle pot across the border patrol in Phoenix or in uh, uh, between Yuma and Phoenix. There's this this uh, hardy little patrol thing i don't know i'm not really smuggling drugs across any borders it's fucking america and 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 why do we still okay i'm gonna get all worked up again because uh, these pot laws are ridiculous but anyways so uh, enough out of me uh I, there's no follow-up on this one it's just gonna be we're just gonna uh, podcast out so this is the last you'll hear from me so i love you guys and i'll see you guys next week where we're gonna pick right back up where we left off no more lost tapes there was only two episodes so uh enjoy this uh skanks roots project vancast nine hit it Oh yeah, dude. Do you know what's fucking crazy about Bob Lazar? When I worked at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, I knew him, and I would, I didn't, I knew of him, and I used to, when I worked at Livermore Lab, they would send me to Santa Fe, New Mexico, yeah, where the where he worked. Was he a big deal? He is a big. Well, he's a big deal that nobody knows. But he was was like a high up. Yeah, he was a fucking one of the smart. That's what I said. I worked with some of the smartest dudes in the world. He was, one, he of was one of them, and he worked with like Chinese people from. Bro, I remember them bringing in guys from Iran. This is like top <coughs> secret shit, bro. So what? So why would you say that on a fucking podcast? <laughs> guys from Iran. It, it was really ironic to me that we hate we hate Iran and China. They're communists. It's and, like a nuclear but, cold war. Basically. But they are in Livermore, California, building fucking nuclear weapons. Well, I mean, that's how it was like in Germany after World War II. We were bringing fucking Nazis over here to fucking continue the work yeah, that they were doing. Yeah, and, uh, making NASA. a bomb and shit. Yeah, like exactly. That, yeah. NASA was born out of fucking Nazi fucking uh, They all had that scar on their face but, from the fencing and shit. That's, that's the thing, though. I mean, if you're smart, you're smart. Does, I mean, it doesn't matter. And if you're going to uh, uh, fo- uh, push the agenda forward. So, like, how, how the, what the fuck were you doing in all that? Well... What I used to do was be, I was security. I was a ah. highly, highly, I had the highest clearances you can get 
in America, bro. Because you had to be next to. Because I had to be next to, to the guy. Bob, Bob the Lazar. Guy. <laughs> if Bob Lazar walked through the gate, I yeah. was like with Bob Lazar. Gotcha. And I would take him. So by proxy, you had the by proxy. I had the I had a, it's called the queue clearance. It's like secret security. People secret don't even know that there's it. most people here are secret top secret. I had the one above it called Q, Q. with the H with it was HRP Human Reliability HRP Human Reliability Program. I had the highest human way reliable program uh, like you fucking reliable. Yeah, reliable it's like we get the shit done we get the shit done by any means where like i work hr <laughs> <laughs> yeah so where i worked bro see that sign right there that says yellow sign if you yeah. it says do not cross yeah Authorized deadly force. Uh -huh. I could have shot you if you oh crossed it, bro. So no questions asked. Like, yeah, like you would have in a heartbeat. Yeah, it had to. It was my job. Yeah. And it, before and their it, foot crossed the. Yeah, and they were like, <laughs> and they were like, dude, you don't do warning shots here. You shoot the fucking kill. You shoot, kill. shoot the kill. Oh my That's god. Because if somebody sees that line and cross it, there's a reason. Pop the head off. See, yeah. I don't think you've ever really been that much on the show. Like we've never really talked to you that much. I mean, when when we're doing it, so it's interesting to hear about your life because I don't really know that much about you other than you were special forces you went to princeton right no no yale no no, no, no. <laughs> i went Stanford. to the, i went to the party school <laughs> he, he, he went to school with the trees i went to school where i party with trees that's right you that's know what's even fucking even more funny dude is i go to i'm in the master's program at usc right now yeah oh yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, is it for law still no no it's not for law i gave up law i did two years of law school and when my brother passed away, dude, I just never went back to law school. Oh. But I still rely on like, it's really helped me a lot. But I just decided, you know, talking to Murray and stuff. He's really in education, and my ladies in the education want to help the kids, you know. Yeah. So what 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 made you go and get into the military in the first place? Check this out, dude. When I was in high school, man, I was a really good athlete. I played baseball, and I was like lined up to play baseball. And you were like scouted from all over. I was scouted, dude. I was gonna play for the fucking Oakland A's Triple A. Well, not Triple A, their single A, and then move it up. The farm team. But I got my lady pregnant, man. So I became a fucking dad in high school. Oh. So that kind of just like really changed my plans, and I really didn't have nothing going on. So I joined the fucking military. So, so you took that elite athleticism and put it into into that. the military, and, and and you rose to the ranks quickly, or what? Um, yeah, you can say that. I did everything that I had to do, and stayed out of trouble. Or yep. Wayne, we're gonna pause. What's up, Wayne? Who forgot something? We left some tickets and Lazy River fucking access. And Oh, they have a lazy river. Dude, and we it was just sick. Get... We played at the we played at the like their own private area, the stomping grounds. We just got a call from Wayne about the Q uh, casino out here in Yuma, potential gig. Yeah, apparently they're, they're the lady who books the Q was at the gig last night, and she's all like, "These guys are some pretty big fucking shredders. Let's get them at the Q." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to see some more video footage. But we need some video footage of confirm, confirm that they're the, real. The, the, yeah, they yeah. confirm that they're not as big as they think they are. Wait, so, so they need video even though she saw us and she knows we're. Yeah, she just wants to see our resume. A little oh, bit you more. know, and she probably needs to pass it on to other people too to get approved. Yeah, exactly. And, we'll, and Wayne totally plugged it. So we'll check him out on Rootfire.net. Like, oh Root yeah, Fire that's has a, our bio. Cool Wayne, though, huh? Wayne's the best, dude. Yeah, Wayne was the shit. Wayne, well, what? I mean, we could talk about it. Yuma was a fucking awesome night. Like fucking Wayne came through with a cooler full of booze. Right. Put us up in a hotel. Pizzas. pizzas. Fucking uh, Jameson. Yeah. And, 
guy kept sending me beers up on like, the stage. You know what? The, the, the cool thing about like these little cities is that people are like grateful that you're there. They're True. like very happy that outside their outside of the regular shit that they do all the time. There's something new, something exciting. Which, which I would think is really cool. So they appreciate us just yeah. as much as we appreciate exactly. them and their exactly. hospitality. Wayne you don't so, get that in a big city, though. No, you no, don't. They're you like, don't. who the well, fuck you is do, these but guys? You don't, it's not like guaranteed. It's like, yeah. No, it's not guaranteed. Like, how many times have we been shit on, like in Big like, <laughs> Ass Styles or whatever? You even know? got my ass kicked. Even got my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, did you go directly into the Marines? Okay, so yeah, back to that story. Yeah, I literally graduated high school on like Wednesday, dude. Got drunk fucking Friday and Saturday. <laughs> Monday, I was at MEPS, and MEPS is where you yeah. they call MEPS is like your first step into it. Then I flew out to San Diego, did my time in boot camp, man. I did three months in boot camp. After boot camp, I went to this thing called Marine Combat Training. And then after that, I went to the School of Infantry. And then after that, I went to like the Advanced School of Infantry. Oh. And after that, I went to my MOS school. And then where was your MOS? My I was a tow gunner. Like I shot, I shot missiles at Iraqi tanks. And, and uh, in Somalia, I blew up Toyota pickups oh. that had fucking guns on them. And so you were Damn. in a tank, or were you in a? No, I was in a Humvee. And you were the guy mounted on the back? I was the guy on the fucking top, like just fucking circling around, like trying to search. This was the gunner. The gunner. Now this yeah. was mid 2000s. No, 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 no. Or this is this the mid 90s? Mid 90s. Oh, so this was the first, the first the Gulf first War, Gulf War, and then okay. Somalia right after that. Oh. But so as soon as I got out of school, like after I was finally done with all my fucking schooling, and I was a train killer, went home for the weekend, and they're like, "Dude, you're on." See you later. You're fucking going right overseas. Damn. So I went overseas. This, I saw my daughter be born. This is pretty cool. And then when I got back from overseas, she was like walking around and shit, dude. Wow. So like I a met, year and a half. Yeah. That's that's intense. Man. Yeah. And then see her at all as an infant. Yeah. I mean, can I say something? I don't want to be rude because, but like, I think I've told you this before. Just in just just us bullshitting, but like. You don't ever put off the vibe of a fucking special forces, uh, a Stanford educated dude. You don't put off that vibe. You put off like I'm fucking skanks. I'm here to party and fucking jam the spot. Um, do, you, do you? What do you attribute that to? Um, why? Why? I mean, like, because there is a very certain kind of person that fits be, like, that really profile. Pretentious. Oh, and I have like degrees and shit. Right. Right. I don't even bring up my education, of dude. Course. Nine times out of ten, like. You guys bring it up. Or, I know. You know or I know. Like that. Same with Murray, dude. This guy's a UC fucking San Diego graduate. And you wouldn't even know Very that. Educated. Like seriously. People don't believe me. People don't believe. Me. <laughs> and even Eddie Yeager, dude. He's an educated man too. That's one of the fucking smartest dudes I know. Like the shit that comes Sexiest off his. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like to pull his hair every now and then. You know, just a fucking today, dude. Oh, this is the best thing ever. I'm sleeping next to Eddie. And I put my hand on his ass. Like, hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot who I was with. True story. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Who the fuck do you think you are? I'm like, oh shit, where am I? But do you think? Do am you I Adela's Hong Kong? Where am I? Adela's. Am I at Alita's? But do you think that um, that 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 kind of add to especially special forces kind of dudes people who are like very highly trained do you think that's something that's common that that yeah, they don't a, put off that like aggro i'm a marine type thing yeah because you know they're like marines marines are very like oh fuck marines, they're bro. proud they're proud they're right. fucking 
the few of the proud look at me i'm a big badass motherfucker but right the, those dudes are normally the cooks or the fucking guys that don't do shit you know <laughs> right. just to be honest man. i mean like you just, uh, no offense any cooks out there, but... <laughs> no offense to all you fucking cooks and, <laughs> and admin dudes. yes we appreciate your service <laughs> yeah. one love we love, we love. hey semper fi devil dog semper yeah. fi there you go but uh for reals dude i just I don't know, man. I love being with you guys. I love touring. Like it's like it's so fun to be around here, yeah, you man. know. And it's I, it's cool to see Eddie yell at Murray and Murray to fucking <laughs> yell back and hear Sam's stories about the third time I went to jail, <laughs> the fifth time I went to jail. I was like, fuck, I only went once and I don't even talk about it. We can't. We can't. What what happened? Why'd you go to jail? Oh, just oh. Totally, totally racial profiled, bro. Oh, that's <laughs> seriously. That's I'll tell you the story, man. Okay. I was at we were on campus, man, the quad. And at Stanford. A, yeah. And a fucking like a fight broke out, bro. And I was like, what? Here, Stanford? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? It was like a party fest thing, right? And somebody threw a bottle and I got hit, bro. And like right here in my head, and I was bleeding. Fucking cops come up and say, "Obviously, you're involved here. You fucking you're bleeding. You're bleeding." Oh my! I was like, God. dude, I'm like, fuck. you're brown. Oh I mean, yeah, you're brown. And this is what's fucking worse. I was with this black dude, uh, and all these white dudes named Brock Turner and all these cocksuckers <laughs> are right there raping chicks, and they take the brown guy and the black guy to jail. I was like, dude, That's come right. on. The guy's on yeah. fucking, uh, he's fucking banging. Well, Lacrosse team is right there. Whatever. <laughs> the devils is the devils right there. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's the only time. So, with so when did you start? When did you start like taking an interest in like music and stuff? That was my question. That's How did I get? What was it? Not when, but and what and, was and the, just add to that? Like, what was the catalyst? Did you make your mind up when you were serving overseas or? So, I've always been into music, dude. I loved playing music. I was always DJ. Remember, guys, I was DJ fucking Skanks. DJ Joss I was DJ fucking Joss Skanks. I got to attribute that, man, to this guy. Like, I just always loved music. And there's this dude that is related to Junior. His name is Frankie Sanchez, man. We call him Chunks. And he plays Two Tit Day. That guy's like the old school fucking DJ. He still is like Danny Dread, bro. Like, vinyl, old school. I don't even think he's bought a new Where's CD. He, live? he lives in Patterson, man. Okay. Patterson, California. And I would always, he's a couple years older than me, so he was cool enough, dude, to let me hang around with them, you know, and like, just go, the dude fucking took me to see two live crew, bro, when, when oh, they were like on yeah. tour. It was two like live crew, crew, cool mode D, it was like the first oh, ever shit. Summer Jam concert, and this guy named Frankie took me to go see him, and then from there, dude, I was just like hooked, so I always played music, and then I linked up with Murray and Eddie, I don't know how we did that, bro. High tide, dude. High tide. It was high Brian tide. Brian Harding, I think. It was Brian Harding. Oh shit. Brian man. Harding linked us. He's like. I don't know how he found you. No, he just seen me. Yeah, yeah. You remember that show? Oh. You man. remember that show at the fucking um Onyx? He threw himself yeah. a birthday party. He on He threw himself a bonnet. He promised me like all these dollars. <laughs> he brought fucking Mystic, Mystic Roots. Roots, all these dollars. He said it's gonna be About sold out. Bucks each, yeah. <laughs> fucking. So I drove out. And we got stiffed. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. what Frankie Sanchez did? No, no, Brian no, Harding. Oh, Brian Harding. <laughs> Brian Harding illustrations. Well. No, I do love Brian Harding. He's I fucking love the guy. I love that. But how the story goes is that he had managed our band for a while because he was living with me for free. And I told him he couldn't be a mooch anymore. That he at least had to get us some gigs and make us some flyers, you know? Yeah. Because that was like his skill set. And so... He's managing us for a few months. Things are going okay. He's got some deals coming through. And I'm putting the pressure on him to like 
Make something real happen. Yeah, more deals. Make something actually real happen. <laughs> and so he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go all big for my birthday party and I'm gonna throw this. I got the contact down at the Onyx Room, downtown San Diego. Legit venue, legit area. Cool venue. Fucking dope so, Super spot. cool venue. Fancy kinda. Right. Classy. And, uh, you know, so we, he books Mystic Roots, promises them a $1,000 guarantee. Tells us we're getting a $1,000 guarantee. Uh, DJ Josh Skanks here is getting a thousand dollar guarantee, and there were some other promises to other people too. I can't remember what it was, but we had vendors or like open bars or something. Well, yeah, you had a ten thousand dollar budget. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's his birthday party on top of it all, and come to come, lo and behold, around midnight, the show show is going well, but Brian is nowhere to be found. <laughs> and so it's okay. I know where he lives. He lives in my house. Yeah. So, I'll see him later. So I fucking at some point like the like people want to get paid and yeah. like it's bad and I'm drunk. Everybody's drunk and it's bad because people want to get paid. They came all this way and I'm, yeah. we're just looking stupid. Like, sick roots is our manager is. Well, I don't know where he's at. But, uh, <laughs> Where's that motherfucker Brian? We're from Chico. We need to get paid. Yeah, uh, Brian. I, he was just here and like I'm looking stupid as fuck. So I figure out what's going on. And the bar, t- the bar t- actually tells me the truth and says there was no deal, no guarantee. Oh. That fucking, the, the money must be out of pocket for everybody. Like, oh, shit. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and immediately I'm like, and I'm drunk, and I'm like thinking I'm going to go home and just probably murder this dude. I probably got to think about how I can clean it up so that I can, <laughs> you know, it's going to be in my house. So maybe I could say it's self-defense or something. And so I fly home. Like, I'm going to, like, pull him out of the bed and fucking wring his neck. And basically, that's what happened. <laughs> and uh, after I stopped physically intimidating him... Um, <laughs> Shit happened. He came clean. He and tuned him up, basically. He just said yeah. he wanted to go big for his birthday. And he was going to move out, like, the next week. And he thought it would somehow, like, blow over. Oh. Or, so, like, he had some big timers and he was riding our coattail. <laughs> Aww. He just basically made all these false promises to everybody, like wrote all these checks to people and then bounced them off. Yeah, no, that I was just like, uh, it's a I bad was blown move. Away. I was but blown away. he ultimately he linked us. He threw himself a huge birthday party, <laughs> yeah. which connected us to where we're at today. Right, right, you know, right. That yeah. was the beginning. That was the blessing. That yeah. was the that blessing. Was that over that fucking it's that so funny how they all got And that fucking dude, Brian Harding, I love him to death. He's still a part of us, whether you believe it or not. Yeah, After yeah, all yeah. that shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. he does all our tour flowers, flyers. Helps me get gigs. That dude's the best, man. I love Brian. He's a cool ass dude. No, no, you, you know, like no, that's like some rookie shit, though, right? Because that's at the beginning more of his like um, him starting yeah. his own I, business. To this day, I cannot even understand what was going on in that fucker's head. But <laughs> he I mean, just wanted to go huge. I mean, it's like some rookie shit where maybe, or, or I mean, I don't think it's rookie. Dude, that, that, that was that, probably that's some, they that's ruined some, our reputation yeah. with, with several people. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. A, it, it was, it was a hard one to come back bad, to. Because every time I would see, like, Coot, he'd be like, dude, you remember, where's that fucker at? He owes me money, bro. <laughs> from Mystic Roots? Yeah, Coot from Mystic Roots. <laughs> to, like, honestly, do, do you guys remember um, his name? He was a saxophone player for, for Mystic Roots. He passed away from cancer. Tim Wu? No. So he... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I forgot. God forgive me. I forget. Like a Scott. 
Scott. Yep. So after he left Mystic Roots, he started playing in Thrive. So I seen him all the time up in Northern California, and that was like our our inside joke. We'd oh, always, oh, Keezy? Is that? No, Scott. Um, oh, I can't remember his last name, but he got cancer. Oh, saxophone, saxophone. Saxophone. Yeah. He got cancer and passed away like really fast too, man. Like. Like years or years. Yeah, it, it was like it, he found out he had cancer. He said, "I'm gonna fight it," and then like a year later, he was gone. Man, like it was horrible. But so then, okay, so the party linked you guys up, and then so what did you do? Did you just be like, "Hey, you guys want to do a track?" Because that first track no. Went... So from there, we just I just kind of seen you at like Soundwave DJ. Yeah. So what happened with that after the Murray had leaked me leaked up with me and reached out? I think because when Brian when Brian got the boot. Like, I was so mad at him that I was, like, holding all of his possessions hostage. <laughs> and, like, I was going to kill him, dude. I like, seriously, like, when I said I was going to go home and kill him, that was my fucking plan. Like, dude, and Murray, you know, like, I, I, he's surprisingly strong. I remember one time I fucked with your meal. I hit it. And you grabbed me by my arm and bent it. And like, where the fuck's my food? I'm like, it's right here, bro. I'm sorry. But like, he manhandled me. And he doesn't even look like he has that kind of strength. And got like, that fucking special strength, huh? Like, dude, for real. Resource strength. All I know is like, listen, I, I trained martial arts for a long time, but Brian Harding was like, <laughs> the dude was about to be Gumby. And right, right. <laughs> he looks like Gumby. And he, yeah, he's not a very big <laughs> like, like, and, 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 and it wasn't something that was like a temper because the feeling of wanting to kill him like pers persisted. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the guy had mooched, the guy at first came over to my house one night and he was like partying late and it was like three in the morning and yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, it's getting late. And he's like, hey man, is it okay if I like crash on your couch for a night? <laughs> and I was like, no. Nah. No, sorry. Let me call you fucking a cab because yeah. it wasn't Ubers, you know. And somehow I woke up in the morning. He's still there. <laughs> and he ended up staying for like a year and a half. Oh my god. And so is he OG SD? Uh, Alcohol. Oh, he's alcohol. And so when I when I decided I was gonna kill him, <laughs> um, you know, and I, you know, I was prepared to do the prison time. <laughs> and, mentally ready yeah. and so but one thing I made sure and I was I was cool and cool and calm about it like Hannibal Lecter calm <laughs> I told him I said you're gonna turn me over all the all your emails like it was like the Hillary Clinton fucking. Oh, <laughs> I was like you're gonna give me Hillary. all your fucking emails related to the band you know yeah. and you're gonna give me all the fucking passwords because after all this shit you're not gonna like fuck us for the future like we're gonna be able to turn the page on this after I kill you <laughs> And um, so I ended up getting all of his emails and all of his contacts, and I just started calling people, I think. Yeah. And one of the people I called. Was me. Was. It was Chris Murray, yep. And was I was Chris like, listen, Murray. I got a show coming up. You want to DJ? And yeah, and that was at the Soundway with Roots Covenant. Yeah. Roots Covenant. Oh, with okay. Roots AKA. Covenant. It was AK, Ian Young, oh, Ian Louis was Castle. Yeah, we were fucking. Oh my God. Those so dudes were stacked, man. That's crazy. When Soundwave took over, the old booking lady at Kane's, who I had developed a good relationship with, Pam, who was really big for high type. She, me and her had like a really good rapport. So when Soundwave came in, she was on her way out. She basically would like, she was like, I can throw you these dates, but you gotta build the show from scratch. Like, find the DJ, find a fucking band, find a. And we did a few of those, and I was always trying to pick to put together bands that I thought were like. Not necessarily too similar, but complimentary that they right, would have a different right. like group of fans or like a right. Chula Vista van and a San Diego van. 
And um, that's how that's how skates came down to do the show. Yeah, came down for that. That was my second time out there with you guys. And the course linked with Danny Dredd and Ian and Luis and AK, man. Those guys became, oh, like, super them. close, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and that yeah. was, if I'm not mistaken, like 2011 maybe, bro. Yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Well, no shit. 2019, <laughs> yeah. fuck, dude. 2011. Yeah, about 2011. And then after that, like, I, I just stayed in touch. And I, I was, was up in San Francisco. Yeah. House-sitting with my bro, Jalen. We were house-sitting somewhere in the... We were house sitting somewhere like near OB, the Ocean Beach up in San Francisco. San Francisco OB. Yeah, and uh, and then somehow we were chatting on the phone or something or texting, and you're like, "Want to do a track?" Skinky asked me to do a track, and I was like, "Yeah." You were like, "Let's go to Berkeley." I was like, "Fuck, I've never been to Berkeley. Let's roll." So then uh, Jeff from Clear Conscience was there with some tracks that he had mixed down we're ready for like some vocals and so we, we went in and tracked the Iry Love. Oh yeah. Iry yep, that, that was so, fucking Eddie Blunt and DJ Skanks right there. Yeah. Boy. And I was putting out some solo shit around that time too and then that's when I wrote uh, some of the songs that we still do. Sorry guys. Iry Love is the first single right? First yeah, that was the that first track that we did. Ever done, yeah. Well, let's fucking cut to that because I don't think that I don't think anybody really heard that on this show before. So we'll cut to that and we'll be right back. Here's Iry Love. I love, yeah, cause yeah. I always 
Studio. Backyard. Was this dude had like a fucking legit. murder, legit. But like, he wasn't trying to produce anything. He's like engineering it, and that was it. So like literally, I had to like sit with him for like a couple hours after we tracked and get everything dialed in. And then Jeff took it from there and made a cut, you know, clear conscience style. It's all shared music. I always like that kind of stuff because to me, that's what reggae is kind of like that in Jamaica. Just everybody gets on each other's shit. They all got rhythms. They, the they run the rhythms, yeah. Oh, I see, I see. They play the rhythms. Yeah. yeah. So, it's different. So all that collaborative stuff really, I think, pushed the smaller bands forward in the scene at a time when really Revolution and Tribal Seats were the only guys that were big. It's all stupid, you know? Yeah. So then the, a lot of those bands start collaborating, and then you end up with bands like Fortune and Youth, and you know, stick figures started coming up a lot. Like they added K-Bong on their stuff and start blowing up, you know? You know so. what, it was interesting, me and Junior were talking in Sacramento and he was just like, you know, the the Cal Roots scene kind of blew up once, yeah. like all of California got involved, but like when Central Valley started becoming part of it. Can you, can you go on that, Junior, what you were saying? I was just saying that, uh, I mean, the reggae scene was already big, obviously, in San Diego. Right. It was already booming. And it just, it just, like, you know, when it started booming in the Central Valley, people didn't hear, people didn't know about these bands like Tribal Seeds, Revolution, all these bands that are hitting right now, they didn't know about them. Yeah. Well, so when this know? food started spinning, when this food was spinning all, like, iration and everything, then that's when everybody started, like, kind of, like, feeling it, you know? So, so we're and gonna, we started a band and we started doing shit. That was keep fucking, it lit, right? Yep. Yeah, keep it lit. And then we got everybody. Was like, everybody was movie. into like a whole other scene over there, and then everybody just started getting into the reggae scene over there. One, one thing I noticed is that after 9/11, all the Jamaican reggae artists had a hard time traveling to the United States, and that left a big vac, a yeah. void that needed to be filled by white reggae bands. <laughs> no, seriously, it's the truth. And, and so, and, and Mexican, white. just Mexicans too. Yeah, American reggae. American After 9-11, it was just hard to get Jamaican reggae. I think, Performers, uh, you know? Pacific, what do they call it, like, to be correct? I think it's, like, Pacific Coast reggae, or what is the name American of it? American reggae? American reggae, but... I thought it was Cal Roots. When it's all said and done, today, it's called Cali Roots. Well, yeah, I thought it was just, like, Cali Roots reggae. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, like, I still wasn't sure what, like, the difference between, like, Oh, roots and I love the Cali. Yeah, well, I, I still don't. Sure, really you know. go to San Diego, bro. There's South Roots reggae. There's fucking, you know, there's there's different. When I talk to people who don't follow reggae, I just call, I call it beach reggae. Beach, beach reggae, yeah, yeah, that's a good. Thing. All reggae is beach reggae. Yeah, that's a good. That's true. But uh, but I call it California this, reggae or American. The reggae. California reggae kind of <laughs> came from like the surfer scene too, you know. True. 
That is the truth because like all the ska bands, the ska bands, and you look like a like slightly stupid bro. They're they're surfer dudes, right? Yeah, they like the early the shit's like punk, right? yeah, the OB vibe. A little bit of R and B influence, I think. They do too, got from, a little bit. They're Hawaii heavily and... influenced by like Don Carlos and shit too. I think, man. So the new stuff. They yeah, were then, a totally different band twenty years ago, dude. If you if you even listen to Revolution today, man, you can so hear Don Carlos like. The times that I've talked to Rachmani, man, and I was like, dude, you're so fucking big. Like, he's all, did you know, like, I'm the biggest Don Carlos fan there ever was. And when I was at UC Santa Barbara, he, this is what he said. I was like, listen to Don Carlos. And that's how I got my music, just like jamming to Don Carlos. And like, oh. I, I could really hear it in his music when you really think about it or you, you get that you get that information and you listen to Revolution like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, yeah that's bro. so Don Carlos. Don Carlos, one of my biggest influences too. Yeah. Uh, first time I heard him was in the 90s as uh, hanging out with some uh, one of my guitar friends and his peeps and uh, we were in Long Beach I think and uh, his buddy had that shit on the radio I was like who the fuck is this I was like I need to know who's singing right now this is amazing and it was Don so I was a fan ever since he he actually he gave me a sick my bro Aaron uh, gave me a sick ass CD that he burned because back then you would just steal all your music on the internet and put it on a CD, you know. Didn't Don so Carlos live in San Diego sick for a while? Don Carlos makes. I think he lives somewhere in California. He did. Right now, I believe he's in uh, he's in Florida right now. But, but so when you see him out there, usually stupid flies him out to California, and he's always kicking it with the stupid dudes. So when did you decide? To, I mean, what, have you always written poetry? Because because people get can get confused. Like you're not. You're not rapping, but you're doing spoken word poetry. For the most part, For the most yeah. Part. And you do rap sometimes, but like it, it's, it's 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 different, huh? It's, it's a little different. It, it varies too, because sometimes in the performance you'll be rapping it, and then sometimes performing you'll be you it'll be like you're saying the powerful. You're doing the spoken word. So I, I yeah, think, actually, have you written poetry? Were you a poet? Uh, not necessarily poet. Just like you're saying spoken word. You just just saying shit that's on my mind and putting it in a poetry form in a sense you know but that's that's dj skanks man and well i'm just i'm just curious what was the leap between you just playing DJs <laughs> you want to hear the leap and then you're yeah, like is, now i'm putting together a fucking band okay and no, I'm so fucking, and this I'm is the fucking word. let me tell you what happened dude i was with fucking christopher murray this cocksucker right here and i was spinning and i don't know what happened but murray's all you got the easiest job bro you play other people's music Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You like? I'm like, fuck you. I'll make my own music then. So I made, and then, and then I fucking started making my own music. Spite. Yeah. <laughs> Chip on the shoulder. It was fucking. It, it was cause that was Murray was in his old drinking days though. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you got the easiest job here, bro. You're playing other fucking people's music. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? You're right. I do. All I do is fucking match some bars here on a D, on a on a fucking laptop, or you can hear the beat, you know. So then from there, I got old Eddie Blunt. We recorded Ari Love. After we made Ari Love, um, I was jamming with Keep It Lit. And then we went to Bob Rizzolo's Sony Studios thing and we made a song called Occupy This, which is on our newest album. Oh shit, I forget. Yeah. That, that's an old ass song. It's an old, right? We made it during the movement, bro. But Bob sat on it for like two years. How did you guys end up getting it back? What's that? How'd you guys end up getting it back? Uh, we, released, we released the. <coughs> Pre-release, so we had a, we had a mix of it that was good. Bob, of course, wanted to send it to his, his mastering guy, which never ended up happening. Um, 
because we had a falling out at the time, but I went forward and got it mastered with the, the Girthy recordings, or we got it mastered with AK, and the, re the recording, in my opinion, was good enough. Yeah. You know? But, but we just decided to release it on this last one. Well, we sat on it forever yeah. because after the Occupy movement, it stopped for yeah. the most part. But, I mean, still no, the echoes of that is still going now. But, yeah, and, and then it's kind of picked up steam again. And, honestly, dude, that song is murder. No, it's good. We got Chris from P.O.B. on it, you know, and he comes through. and Who's doing horns on it? Is that, is that Bob? That's Bob Rizzolo's horns. Bob so, so this was right around the time. So Keep It Lit was going, and then High Tide was still going, like yeah, in, in its original, not original, but like at, at its at its uh, when Phase High Tide two. was peaking. Yeah, for the most part. Phase three is that what it's called? I don't know. Well, for I mean, like Tor was drumming for us. Yeah, yeah, Dave Tor, and that's like when Sam started sort of running with you guys too, right? Sam, is that around the time he was running? Yeah. Um, we went on, yeah, before that, we went on like a holiday tour. We had an RV and a bunch of shit. Um, oh, the Christmas time in California? Yeah, and then we stopped at Skank's house. That was Patterson. Uh, we played at the Frontier Club. It was one of the stops. And that was the first time I met Skank's. And then... Was uh, that Josh Heinrichs? Or was that... No, I forget who it was. It was just you guys and Mad Traffic. It was a high tide Mad Traffic duet tour. And then about a year later, we all went to Cal Roots number four. Um, and that's when I met Danny Dredd, I think, really, for the first time. Because we picked up, or we picked up Danny Dredd, and then we met Skanky there. And then we all just kind of palled around all weekend. And that's that was kind of like the first of that. That's Cal Roots 4. And then Cal Roots, I mean, at that time, Cal Roots 4, it was picking up steam, but it, I mean, it's not what it is now, right? No, no. I think 4 was the first year that was really big, though. The 4 was like, it was, it was still it like... Grown. You guys were on that bill? We did, yeah, high we tide did number two and number should four. They were, we're not even, the bowl wasn't even open at that time. Oh, yeah. The main stage was like the side stage now. Yeah, right? oh, yeah oh. the root stage was the main stage. That's interesting. It, 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 uh, it, it's interesting that, that you guys have been just sort of part of that whole scene, like from the very ground, because you know the guy from Cal Roots, right? Dude, you? I was fucking Cali Roots' first DJ. Oh, shit. I was fucking DJing for Jeff Monzer in Livermore, California. We were doing this little bar called the Pine Street Bar in Livermore. You played there before? Yeah. Played the Pine Street Bar, dude. And was, that's where Cali Roots was born, man. When, after that, Jeff, he's like, Jeff, man, he's an entrepreneur, dude. He's just like, I gotta go bigger. I gotta go bigger. So was I gotta he, go what, what did he do before he was... He doing? makes tea, he's, uh, Cali Roots clothing. It was called oh, Cali, Cali Roots, Roots clothing. Oh, was a clothing yeah, line. It was a clothing line, yeah. Wow. So wait a So so you guys did shows together, and he yeah. put on shows too. So he was yeah he was like doing his clothing line, and he was like, dude, I'm putting on shows here. Can you help me get some bands? Can you do this and that? And we did. So where was the first Cali Roots? Was it in Cali? Right? Okay, well Cali Roots. It was called California Roots Presents. And it would be at like Liver in Livermore, like a little bar. Oh, so he was Street. putting on shows. He was like putting at on bars, shows, yeah. And then he made all this. Network. Then he made. He's all like, "Fuck it, dude! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get the uh, Monterey County Fairgrounds." And he got like, honestly, Tribal Seeds was there, and Tribal Seeds was like barely starting. The first one. Yeah, I they're really starting to break. They're yeah, like all yeah. over. They're California. starting to break, and he, it was a murder lineup, and that was. There, I would say at most there was 500 people there. Wow. At most, at that show, 500 people. 
And then it just he just kept getting bigger and bigger. Next year it was like 1,500 people. 1,500, then 2,000. And now you fast forward to 2010, there's 10,000 people there a day. Yeah. A day, so like. Now it's 2019. 2019, Cali Roots 10. It's oh, like, Cali Roots 10 was, yeah. was 10,000 people a that's day. That's what I meant, Cali, yeah, yeah, 10,000 people a day. That's, that's nuts. It's, it's crazy how, like, the reggae scene, the California reggae scene and Cal Roots, and, I mean, because Cal Roots kind of seemed like that was the start of doing, like, bigger reggae festivals, even. It is. And it, it, is. it seemed like it all kind of fed into each other. It's become a model for other reggae. It really has. Those guys helped every single band that does this type of music, whether Seriously. they played at the festival or went to the festival or anything. I remember, just man. Just having that event move the whole scene up. Remember, dude, we did the, we did, the, it was called like the Cali Roots Winter Jam. Yeah, the Spring was, Fling. The Spring Fling or whatever. And summer Mix Up. Summer Mix Up and it was like high tide. We played all those. Fucking Fortunate Youth and and, and a couple other, the Keep I a Lit, you know. So we've been there from like day one, man. Like yeah. we really have been there. and Kind of like, and we're going to keep pushing, man. And that's why we're doing what we're doing today. We're fucking for the love of it. Yeah, we're, we're going to Phoenix right now. We're going now. to Phoenix right now to, to, to play to some, play music, you know, it's pretty fucking rad, dude. You know, it's, it's cool, man, to, to go to other states, like, we go on to Texas and people are like, dude, we love your guys' music, you guys are fucking huge. Yeah, Come stay the night at our house, we'll barbecue or something, you know? And we're just fucking dudes from California that... Yeah, just hung out fans. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, and then, but what was weird for me when I came into this band is that it was like a side project because Chris reached out, was like, "Hey, how's your bubble?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I can do that." And so, so <laughs> I, we went on that tomorrow? first tour. I remember, uh, what do you call it? The, the Chewbacca. The Chewbacca. The Chewbacca. Kind of, <laughs> kind of skipped over the. Well, I don't want to skip over. What is Skink's Roots Project starting as was not a band. Right. No. Right. Exactly. Well, that's kind of what I was circling to. For me, it was a project. Now it was a side project, and it was like that for everyone else. And it sort of started taking on a whole life of its own beyond just like this side project. Yeah, I remember when we made that. I, what song was that? I forget it. Maybe a wildflower. And we were in Young's fucking in his studio. And he's all like, what do you want me to call this? And like, I don't fucking know, bro. Just He goes, all right, I'm just going to say it under Skanks' Roots Project. Yeah. Oh. So Ian Young named the band, bro. Ian Young named the band. He named a fucking band. And I'm like, okay, it's Skanks. That's the name of it. And that was just a folder that he put, Skanks' Roots Project. That's funny. (laughs) That's so funny. Now, we should put an apostrophe as at the end of Skanks. Yeah. (laughs) Skanks'. So, so Ian, which, it's so interesting because you got Ian and AK and, you know, Dandre, all these, like, people who... South Bay, right? At the time, Ian wasn't in tribal, yeah, right? No, no, no he, they, he was Roots Covenant or oh, Stranger. He was Stranger. Stra- he was Stranger. Yeah. He was, he was stranger and Roots Covenant because they. No, I think he was he only was Stranger. Doing solo shit. Yeah. Mostly Stranger at that time. Mostly so, Stranger at that time because yeah. him and AK had gotten into a little fallout. Yeah. So yeah, he was just We've doing talked stranger, about that yeah. on the podcast before too. <laughs> Talking about Ian, but so so Ian at that time was just you know doing his thing. Bro. And make it happen, making music, making beats for people. He was building a studio. Yeah, well. Imperial Sound wasn't even made yet. He yeah, we were he just still lived in an apartment. He lived in an apartment, and we were in his fucking bedroom, like in yeah. the closet, like just jamming fucking tracks. So after that, we were—I can honestly say—one of the first groups that he ever recorded. Yeah. And we go that far back with him, man. 
and it, and it is nice that um, it, it's just interesting to me that like fucking that it was like you, that this project sort of hit a very special time where it was like right before it kind of took over like the explosion the, the explosion right? but like you know but it was just like right on the edge and we you, at that time you guys were working with you know some of the bigger players in the game and you, you know like how do you know that though you know like right. I, this network of people and especially uh, by the way we can't discount High Tide at that time was high fucking tide. like ripping shit up. High too. Tide was murdering it. So dude. fucking like. And then you guys pissed off with Surf Roots Radio, not Surf Roots Radio. What was that? The okay. Pier. That, that beef with the Pier goes back. <laughs> oh, the, the, that was that some pier goes, the, the High Tide was started as a band over some beef. <laughs> that happened simultaneously with a guy named Michael Patty, who, you know, no hard feelings to the guy now, but we were bumping heads like. He had this agenda for us, and he did it did help us, like, get our band off the ground. But he was also very um, controlling, and, and we we resisted that, and it, and it ended up being like, okay. So he helped put together our first recording release, a five-song acoustic record. Um, you know, ID three tagging when you put the CD in the CD player, mm-hmm. and it text will come up. Yes. Well, we put the CD in, and the text says something like three cocks and fucking two, two balls or something. I don't know what the fuck it's... Yeah. Something, something really hater So he bigged you guys up. Yeah. <laughs> totally bigged you guys up. And he never let it go. Like, years later, we'd cross paths with him, and he would still be hating on us, like, for, like viciously. And, like, he would bait us even to like get back into a circle so that he could just fucking shit on shit us. <laughs> and he did it like three times, right? And then finally this guy's like thinking, oh, because he always was on the out fringe with this clothing company called Sense Boardwear. He wanted to do what Cal Roots did, but he just didn't put it together fast enough. And didn't, you know, whatever well, his flaws were. Fucking raging asshole. He was also a pretty big asshole. Was he an older guy, younger? He was like our age. Oh, yeah, he's maybe. younger, yeah. You know, and so, um, but he's he, some he's some spoiled kid, kid from North County. He had like, you know, went to, we went to his house. He's rich dad and shit. But bottom line is that um, he ended up buying the peer.org like way later. The what peer was started by this guy named Philip. It's an online, it's an on, online, like it's a website that connected people. Like this is like and, and gave it reviews was big for the and California uh, reggae style. Yeah. It was a message board. It gave reviews. Like Josh Heinrich's um, Revolution. It became the top Hulk online on publication the for California reggae. Yeah, I didn't really and if you if West you, Coast reggae, because yeah, they were actually started in Seattle. Yeah, and if you put if he put you on there, then you're like, okay, you're up and coming band. Like it was a significant um, factor, and this guy saw that Michael Petty, and he made <laughs> a move for it, and he acquired the peer somehow. I don't know the deal, but and then. He began to shit on us further, like by saying, "Oh, submit your CD for review," and we're yeah, thinking, he shit "Oh, on we're you. gonna make peace with the guy." Yeah. And then, of course, he shits on us again. Yeah, this yeah, album is terrible. Yeah. Absolute trash. Basically, he's like, "High Tide's been fucking washed up, washed up for ten years, and now they're coming back with the new one called The Rooted." And like, it oh, should that be called Two Dicks and a Fucking <laughs> 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 Two Dicks and a Ball. I think he was just hating because he just he didn't have any fucking musical talent. He that, wanted to be like all big time in the music scene. And he probably still hasn't let it go, but that's well, I'm one. I'm sure he, if he was doing it to us, he was doing that shit to other people too. 
that's guaranteed. One, that's one thing that I, I do see is like the people who kind of glom on, who don't have any real talent, who are trying to offer something that they don't even understand what they're offering. You know what I mean? Like right. managers, look, I want to manage your band. Like people, uh, I see that a lot, and, and it ends poorly. Usually, they're promoters. Yeah, like promoters. One, one thing, one thing I will say no, though. One thing I will song. say, the Rooted CD guys is one of my favorite CDs. I love that one, dude. That guy, yeah, that's that was so, one, right? yeah. I Jeez. fucking love that song, man. Or not song, that that's, whole album. There's, I mean, the production value is so extensive. That's why I think it, it became kind of a little bit of a quagmire. You know, we yeah. we ended up digging in the digging in a lot deeper than we wanted to, um, and it became. You know, when an album takes over two years, it starts to have this, like, this weight that it becomes really hard to finish, and it starts to be like, well, everything becomes under a microscope in a certain way that's true. Um, so you start overthinking it. Start. Did Brian Harding did the cover, right? Yeah. Yeah, see? So Brian still makes his way back into their family, man. <laughs> Although, yeah, that the cover was not supposed to look the way it looked. I like it. It's the, rooted. The, it was supposed to be more brown and orange, and what happened was that the the printing company sent Brian the proof by mail. Brian never opened it. <laughs> he just green lit it. With that, it's cool. All good. We're good. I like pretty. how it looks anyway. It looks no, I, I really like that. That one is fucking badass. The original bro. artwork was sicker. You still have it? No, yeah. That's, I don't. That, I don't have it. That's a that's a uh, that's a really good point where. Once something is sitting, like uh, Stephen King wrote this book about writing, and he kind of talks about it. It's like if you're gonna walk away from a project or not finish it, if you're gonna start and not finish it as the, as the iron is hot and the juices are flowing, it's like you either need to like fuck it, come back to it in years, or just or let just it let it go. You lose perspective, and your brain will start doing all kinds of tricks yeah. on you. You'll hear things that are not there. You get there. over analytical. And you hold yourself back. You end up getting in your own way. It's called paralysis by analysis. That's in. Uh, is that a real thing? Which I yeah. think Murray suffers from it a lot. <laughs> it's a combination of the Zagarnik effect, which is that feeling that you that you left something unfinished, which uh -huh. drives you to finish it. Right. But the more time and the more money or the more important it is, the the heavier the weight is. So each decision <laughs> becomes so much more important that you can actually be paralyzed by yeah. the weight of all these overwhelming decisions and yeah. you actually won't be doing anything right. <laughs> That's funny. Like this dude, when he'll finish a song, he's like, I got, I got it done, I got it Masters Kings, check it out. But let me go over it a couple more times. <laughs> let me go over it a few more times. But I'm like, you just told me it was done, bro. I know that, but... Speaking of, we need to put that Hookwise CD out. I know, ever since I started, that Hookwise CD's been in the talk since you guys first came on this show. <laughs> I know, dude, it's been like what five years since we started and I haven't touched here. any of those projects for like almost over a year well then now this is the time I mean it you walked away from it for long two enough. years I think is the oh, is it two years <laughs> <laughs> where you can regain clarity <laughs> waiting for your two year mark huh get your two year mark and then we can revisit that's that's it no well it's the same thing with me and this synthwave album that I'm fucking <coughs> trying I'll tell you to what do. the what the main problem was is that the majority of the record was recorded in a eight foot by 10 foot room where I could not manage no matter what I did to get an accurate reference sound. The shit will sound slumping in the room and, and I'll take it and I'll put it like in the car and the whole mix falls apart. 
and it was just the importance of having a, a, a listening environment for mixing that's somewhat accurate whether that's with room EQ um, compensation or because now once I'm in a much larger room mixes come together so much faster and I can take them out of that room and they actually sound like they're this you know somewhat similar <laughs> Yeah, I read this interesting thing. Uh, Jack White, he has his own uh, FM transmitter. Yeah. And he'll any of the mixes that he's working on, he'll just fucking transmit it to his Directly fucking his car. car through the radio. And he's like, if it sounds good like that, we send that shit right out, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh -huh. Which which is kind of <laughs> smart. Well, Dave Pensato, he's all notorious for playing every single mix through his iPhone. And he has a special thing that, like, the mix can just play back through the iPhone yeah. in real time, like, as if it's a studio monitor. Oh, yeah. Right, and, and if it sounds good through that, then it's probably good. Then it's ready to go. Then it's ready to go. Ready to go. That, that, uh, that, no, man, I, I, I run into that shit all the time. But Fucking. small room acoustics are, like, almost near impossible to overcome. Like your old bedroom at Sam's house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small room acoustics. You will never get accurate mid-range or bass. And... You won't You're know what is what. You're yeah, about you won't know project. how much bass you need because from like a thousand hertz down, it's completely inaccurate mm. because the size of the room is creating all these nodes that like triple or quadruple the amplitude of certain frequencies in certain areas, and you're you just impossible. It's like not only shooting in the dark; it's like shooting with fucking, um, you know, like a, a movie playing in your in your visor. You know, yeah. meanwhile you're in the battlefield. Right, right, right. Clouded, it's like clouded. Mm -hmm. Vision you're is seeing a different image, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what you're seeing is, is different than what. It's I super see. clear, but it's the wrong image. Right. Like, you're in the wrong movie. It's like. Yeah. No, I that I that fucking that moment when you take it out to the car to test it, and yeah. it's just that's all a tester. It's like a tester. Fuck. It doesn't even sound like, like remotely close to how it just I, sounded in the house. And, and th at that point, you're just like guessing on frequencies, and you're wasting so much time bouncing out your fucking mixes because you, you cannot tell. And then you make a little adjustment here, a little adjustment there, and you go out to the car. Bleh. And once you lose all sense of um, objectivity. Welcome to paralysis by analysis because <laughs> you know, right? And at that point, you're just like you're like frustrated. You're sitting here thinking like, so how exactly does this complex sound wave or waves that are fucking crazy complicated and and bouncing around my room? They're invisible. But you move a microphone from my listening position one inch to the right, and the shit becomes skewed in some crazy other way. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, not having and not having a good controlled environment to mix in is fucking so shitty. And that's my life right now. That's why I don't know how I'm gonna fucking even mix this fucking synth. Wait, I'm gonna have to farm did, everything the out. The only way we were able to get girthy done was an incredible amount of bouncing down and going to the car, which was like stupid amount of of those. And go, like go out to the car and then go back inside and change a half dB on one thing. Go back to the car, check it. And not even listen in the room, and then headphones. You can get a lot of the a lot of it done in headphones, but the low bass you can't. So yeah. it's yeah. shitty. Now the girthy, which which is um. So the first album, um, just the tip. Mm -hmm. That's Ian Young Studio. Yeah, that was all pretty that's much all Ian, that. right? But it wasn't even like Imperial Sound yet. It was Ian Young's bedroom. And how much were you writing? 
for for that? Because you think write. I, I I must have submitted like four songs for that one. A few. Everything we I, did, we bounced off each other at though. You know, if I had an idea, came up, uh, with some of the ideas there at Ian's too for some of the songs. Yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah, the 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 two songs that I pretty much wrote that uh, weren't for SRP specifically was uh, L-O-V-E and uh, Misled Souls. Oh, nice. Those were kind of like Eddie Blunt songs, but then I wanted to get them out and I didn't want to wait around and you needed songs for the SRP and then I was like, well, yeah, Skanks can do, be on the track and then just throw that in there, boom. Boom. Oh, yeah. So that got those songs out, which I thought that was what was most important to me. And then uh, That's on just the tip, right? So like yeah, some, first I know like State of Tree was Danny's thing, and we tracked that there in uh, Ian's house. And uh, what else? Wildflower. Was that was like my total idea. Like, yeah, we got to go off of this. Blah, yeah, blah, which blah. that was Ian Young kind of came up with those chords and stuff. I think he actually kind of wrote the tune. Yeah. Based on what we were telling him about the ideas. And uh, what else was on that record? Like, uh, oh, who is real? Who's real? Which I had that real? rhythm because some of the stuff was tracked at Sony, also. Oh, okay. Record. Some of it was kind of high tide stuff, too. It was Eddie Blunt stuff because oh, I was Blunt. starting to want to do some more solo stuff. You were working with Bob at Sony <laughs> a little bit, yeah. For your solo stuff, yeah, yeah. With, but the stuff that I was working with in there ended up being SRP stuff. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Who opened God. the sack, bro? That's a day going on. Fuck. Alright, we gotta take a fart break. Air out the fucking wagon. Murray, open up the fucking hard boiled eggs again. Just play one of those trucks we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, what, what, which one should we play? Uh, you know what? One that I really think that is pretty dope that never gets love is um, Hit It. Hit It? Hit It. Yeah. Let's listen to Hit It, and this is all just the tip. Hit It is that like. from Sony also. We never yeah. play that. We never play that. And I got this shredder girl, man, from Long Beach on her. Her name is Miss Lee Ding. Beautiful lady, Miss man. Lee Ding. Yeah, she's an Asian lady, dude. She's very beautiful. Girl. Just beautiful, dude. She comes through and smacks, just mashes a verse on it, man. Okay. But, well, let's listen to hit it. Cue it up. Run it. Eighty blooded skates. And a Danny Dread ain't the mix Yeah Some people say I can't afford Your type of lifestyle But I love the way you make me feel Baby I wanna lick you up and down Roll you up and make you feel the way I do. Say, let me hit it so bad, girl. I wanna hit it so bad, you know. I love your sweet smell. I said I love the way you make me feel. I love the way you do it to me. You lift me up when I was down, baby. You know you're always around. Yeah. Got that 
sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So good I can't forget it Girl you gotta let me hit it Breezy got that stinky green Off the cover of a magazine So bomb I can't forget it Girl you gotta let me hit it These things I do When I said I do for you I just said that to put me in my mood Sweet vibrations rolling through my chest Hitting it and loving it, you know it's my fix And now you know that I will never abuse it Yes, it's my life and I chose to do this Break it up or roll it up, let's teach them how to cheat them Just hit that blunt, keep it lit, we'll always keep up Indica sativa, it all does the same to me It tastes so good, so for why you blaming me? But sweet vibrations rolling through my chest Hitting it and loving it, you know it's my fix And now you know that I will never abuse it Yes, it's my life and I chose to do this So rip that, just hit that, you're spilling iry It's J-Rip checking out, now listen up to Skanky Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So good I can't forget it Girl, you gotta let me hit it Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So bomb I can't forget it Girl, you gotta let me hit it. Damn, I wanna hit it. Hmm. Purple hazy. My heart's pounding, got me going crazy. Looks so good, I wanna eat it. Rice crispy treat it, can I touch it? It's so stanky and wet. Damn, you can tell it. Puffin' on a fine ass string that's making me lazy. Bartender, yo, pour me another drink. OJ and Tango Crazy. Come on, you little daisy, it's time to roll. So grab the Jaeger, me and you. Yeah, that's major. I wanna take a little ride with her. Rolling, drop top, got your top down. Winning in my hair, peep the sky. Feeling high, high. Skanky gets the mood just right. Baby doll, that's I grade. Can I hit it just one time? Not passing the ditchy, oh no, that's a crime. So put your lips on it. Now inhale, let it out. Give thanks, feeling high, pull it out. Lick it, pass it, cause Kiki wants to hit it. Breezy got that sticky green off the cover of a magazine. So good, I can't forget it. Girl, you gotta let me hit it. Breezy got that sticky green off the cover of a magazine. So bomb, I can't forget it Girl, you gotta let me hit it Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So good, I can't forget it Girl, you gotta let me hit it Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So bomb, I can't forget it Girl, you gotta let me hit it You could never get enough of my love And I be coming from a magazine cover I make you feel alright Ooh, so right You could hit me in the morning Hit me in the evening Hit me whenever you wanna chill and never please it Really? Cause I'm the real thing Baby, I'm the real thing Mary's got a real thing Going on, going on Got it going on, going on Going on, got it going on I got it going on, never really been the type to do it wrong I do it right, Southern California, sticky bomb It got a stronghold, take another bong load Puff it up and pass, so unnatural It's Mary Jane and she come to take your pain away Don't ever forget it and hit it like your last day Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So good I can't forget it Girl, you gotta let me hit it Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So bomb I can't forget it Girl you gotta let me hit it 
Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So good I can't forget it Girl you gotta let me hit it Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So bomb I can't forget it Girl you gotta let me hit it Breezy got that sticky green Off the cover of a magazine So good I can't forget it Girl you gotta let me hit it And we're back So so just a tip That was, that was like that was Ian, that was Eddie, and... A little bit of Bob was all over. Bob was writing some stuff on there. Like, just, I'm talking about rhythms and, right. and, and words, I know you guys. It was mostly like my rhythms, Danny Dredd's rhythms, and Ian Young's rhythms. Gotcha, gotcha. It's like a, a pure collaboration. One of my totally. favorite songs from that record is Decisions, which I'm not even... I didn't have anything to do with that song. Oh, but yeah. But I, I did lay a verse on it, and I was stoked do that because I really like that tune and Chris Warner did the guitar on that too. Yes also. he did, he murdered it. So that's one of my favorites. I like song too. Mm -hmm. Let's run that one. Okay. What, what's the song called? You introduce it Eddie. Let's it, listen to... This is Skanks Roots Project Decisions. Sister got pregnant at 15. My mom worked nights so I was always alone you know so I had a bad life. Decisions are making life come from Trying to provide any way I could. I'm so misunderstood. Life's got me hooked up. Label as a stoner. Living the life for the sake of society. It's such a downer. I mean, the SRP crew, we do what we do. So you tell me, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I ain't never had shit growing up. Moms, she worked nights. So my nights alone, straight up. I was a teenage dad. Whoever in the fuck thought I'd be a college grad? Feel me? A rough life and a crazy ass dad. It took its toll on me. Now roll with me, cause you a true ass homie. Every 
Sister Alexi Love on the fucking yeah, on the fucking chorus. Alexia. Like she she came through nice. on that one too, DJ man. Alexia. Alexia's she I wish she would participate a little bit more with us, you know, and she's just hard for her to get out. She's such a huge on air on air radio personality and is she still with the energy or whatever? Yeah, she's on or whatever. Uh I think it's like she's old 949. 949 or oh she's on 949 now? Yeah, yeah, oh, she's on all the time. I turned it on one day and I was like, dude, that's Lexi. <laughs> that's sure enough, Lexi. That is sexy Lexi. Uh, you can hear her from, I think it's like the Prime Stop Monday Alexia through Friday. on the radio. Man. Alexia on air. Oh, really? She's like she 6 to 10 Monday wow. through Friday, man. She's not the Prime Good for her, man. Yeah, Good she's going to She's fucking killing it. I love her. She's fucking cool as fuck. So, I like, I like Girthy because this is kind of Mr. Mr. Murray's first like album from start to finish that yeah he took you mixed time. and mastered and you were writing some of the rhythms too yep. right yeah very per- produced a lot of it man and yeah. a lot of it he would just send me like skanks i got an idea and send me the rhythm and then 
I was like, well, fuck, we can do this to this song, you know? And then we'd go back and forth, and then Eddie would come through, record his verse, I'd record my verse, and... That was mostly, so that was that was out of Ian's studio, but Ian was About still contributing, right? A little yeah, more than half of it. We did some of it. I know we tracked Every Day's a Blessing, like, way before Girthy came out. Yeah. That was, we just kind of missed the cutoff of getting that one on just the tip. That song was the, um... The only only song there that Ian produced from you know he was the producer on that track for Girthy for Girthy everything yeah. else he, he engineered a lot of the drums and played keyboard on a lot of the songs um, but they were all the songs that were title driven it was like what's the name of this song and then the first person like vocalist that came in set the pace would up. like ad lib something that was based around that title. For the, yeah, yeah. And that true. became the song. I, I know I did the bittersweet rhythm because I remember Skanky was like, hey, you got any rhythms? And I was like, yeah. And I submitted. Shot me uh, the chord. Music saved my life as well. Yeah, yeah. Mu- music saved my <laughs> life and uh, and bittersweet. I think those were the ones that I wrote the rhythms for on that. Which are like our staple songs yeah, for, for yeah, what we play out. And when you when you bring up Bittersweet, man, you can't forget the 77 Jefferson boys, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Joel. Oh, they and, were in Patterson. We were doing us this, yeah, we were doing this big festival called X-Fest in Modesto, and it was fucking huge. So it was us, Danny Dredd, Joel, Eddie, Murray, and uh, we had tracked the rhythm at Ian Young's. But we did the, the vocals. Murray tracked the vocals in my closet. <laughs> in Patterson. In Patterson. Hell yeah. That's right. We had a couple different rhythms and we, you know, because we had we had the tracks going for the record, but none of them had vocals on it. And we opened one and they were like, ah, eh, what else you got? We opened the second one and they're like, right away they started singing this, uh, you that I want, girl, you know, and, um, yeah, I kind of gave. I already had the. Uh, yeah, he had the hook the for the most part. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was bittersweet love and what it was about. And he just kind of asked me, "What's the song about?" You know, and I was like, "Yo, it's about like your your lady is like you know she's down for you, but it's a big pain in the ass. So it's like it's <laughs> a true story shit. Yeah, bittersweet love. You know, love you, Mavi. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the premise of the song I thought was strong. And then he, Joel took it and just killed it. And then his buddy came and sang some of the harmonies. Uh, the other, the, like the main dude from 77 Jefferson. Oh, nice. Uh, I forget his name, unfortunately. I'm bad with names. Miles. 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 Yeah. yeah, he's a cool dude. Miles he, does, and he works he's with big time. Heinrichs. Yeah, he yeah. does all Josh's shit. Dude. Yeah, I had Miles on the show. He's fucking awesome. He's one of those guys who can't separate the artist from the art. He's like, I'll never watch Bill Cosby again. Uh-huh. I'll never fucking. <laughs> never listen to um, R. Kelly. Yeah, or, or Michael Jackson or whatever it is. He's very staunch, like, like I'm not. Principled man. I'm, yeah, he's a principled man. He's like, if you're out there molesting kids, I'm not Michael supporting. Jackson shouldn't be lumped into that conversation. Those kids recanted and said they were put up to lying about it. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Wait a second, what? When did they recant? Like, a month after the trial. Oh, 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 the investigation. Okay. Oh, man, you haven't seen this the Neverland. The, yeah, yeah. You're not the, talking about the new... The new, new shit is crazy, dude. The new stuff is nuts. I mean, there's, I mean, it gets graphic. They're talking about eating kids' buttholes and shit. Oh, it's wow. fucking nuts. I'm not, I'm not fucking... I'm not fucking joking. We're gonna edit this part out. No, I'm not. This is real <laughs> shit. No, because if he did do that shit, then he's a fucking it's monster. so terrible, yeah. He's a fucking monster, and fuck him. 
fuck him in his grave, but I'm gonna yeah, walk my ass people, across the country, though. A lot of people hated on him. He had a lot of, like, haters that were, like, a lot of people that wanted to bring him down. So, to me, it's like, I haven't seen the new documentary. Why Why would people but, want to bring down Michael Jackson? First of all, because they they think he's a freak, and they you know people hate on you when you're famous, let alone if you look like Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, and it's like so controversial, yeah. black guy trying to be white or whatever. You know that's guy. gonna rile up all kinds of weird shit. On top of that, there was a lot of powerful people that hated on him, um, and a lot of people believe that he was murdered because of like the deal that he wind up owning half of all of Sony Publishing. Tommy Mottola, you know, you like when there's billions of dollars at stake. You know, go fuck with Big Pharma, see what happens. You will die. Like, <laughs> and there's billions of dollars on the line because that's how big the music industry was, especially when Jackson won that deal with Tommy Mottola. Really, like, was laughing last. Like, you don't get away with that kind of shit. Mm. And so, uh, the smear campaign, and a lot, just like some people say Bill Cosby was a smear, you know, I don't know. But being such a fan of Michael Jackson and knowing how that the first round of accusations that came out in the 90s was all, like, cooked up mm. to bring him down, uh, that like subsequent ones to me, I'm skeptical of. You know, right. no, you no, better you watch a, that fucking documentary. No, and, and you make a good point because there's there's footage of Michael Jackson talking exactly about this. Like, you know, there's powers that be that don't want to see me fucking succeed, and there's powers that be, you know, that might be fucking, you know, a little salty about a successful black man. He, I remember saying that, that came did, up. Do you remember seeing that fucking? Thing? Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that fucking press conference where he's like. Where he's talking about it and he's defending himself. It's like J. Edgar Hoover talking about, or not J. Edgar Hoover, but uh, Eisenhower talking about the military industrial complex. Yeah. And he kind of dances around it, but he's like, people want me out. Yeah. yeah and they're powerful. It's not, but Prince well, went to war with his fucking lady Prince too, which was Sony too. as well, right? <laughs> A lot of people think Prince is murdered. But the but the thing about the documentary and I think the thing that like fucking Oprah was trying to drive home with her thing was yeah. that there was that whether Michael Jackson was a pervert or not, fucking the way that they painted that documentary was a, a, an important uh, a documentation of abuse and like and that and that the grooming process the grooming process like how you separate people from families how you'd separate you know like. Are we talking about the Catholic Church? No, no, no. Well, <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Yeah. But, um, but you know, like just it, any child predator, they they fucking groom him. I don't know if Michael Jackson is a child predator, but according to these dudes in the documentary, he was, and he had a special place in people's hearts because he was such a lovable person, and he would kind of like, if if what they say is true, then he was basically using that uh, sort of fan adoration to like molest children right like sandusky sandusky you know at that school pittsburgh in, in oh, fucking yeah. pennsylvania penn state he what was he he had like a thing for uh like orphan boys yeah. or something he yeah. had like a charity yeah, like a charity yeah and it, so whether he did it or not the documentary i think is good because it does paint a good picture of what abuse looks like what I thought was interesting is how how quick people were like, "Fuck you, Michael Jackson is a fucking pop icon. We love him. Take this documentary and shove it up your 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 culo." Um, fucking. I think more people were like, "Oh, of course he did it." Yeah, what was that fucking freak? There was, but like, how quickly did it blow over, and how much did that really damage his fucking his reputation? Really, I mean, like, people are still fucking. People even turned on Oprah. 
Like, my wife turned on fucking Oprah. She's like, oh, fuck Oprah. Like, she could, you don't fucking talk shit about Michael Jackson. And, and it's, I was like, damn, Oprah? Like, just a few years ago, you want her to run for fucking president. Now everybody hates Oprah because she's trying to point out what abuse she's looks like? She's doing journalist. Yeah, she's, she's being a journalist. Yes. I was like, this is crazy. It's crazy to think that, like... It's all... Also, a, a lot of that documentaries uh, sort of was emboldened by the that Me Too kind of thing yeah. now because now people's testimony seems to be more credible. listened to. Yeah, more credible, exactly. People are actually listening when people are saying these things. Right. So if, if they're making it up, then they're making it up, I guess. But... Uh, you know, you got that's the risk we take. Totally uncredible. The one guy, the president. The one guy was like <laughs> mega famous and successful for a long time, doing uh, choreographing like Britney Spears tours. He still and all is, that. isn't he? Isn't he still like? Doing he's like it? big time, dude. Yeah, he like did the whole. He does like a lot of the Vegas shows now or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he's fucking. So, very, is that very the spirit? Successful. The spirit fingers guy? Is that spirit fingers? Uh, Sparky Podolsky. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't I don't the guy's even know name, his fucking name. But the, well, no one knows his name because they're fucking he was, liars. He's a choreographer, so he had a maybe. He had a lot of love for Michael Jackson because he literally grew up dancing Michael Jackson's dances, and that led him to a career in choreograph. And I mean, what's he testified look? at the trial in uh, 2003 that that nothing ever happened. But then after Michael died and after he was married and that's what the sort of the point of the movie is too is that once these guys had kids and they kind of started to see that they were fucked up you know from being abused as children which yes that fucks you up and so then they started to kind of come to terms with what had happened and start to talk about it and then that's when they started a kind of a, a lawsuit and then the filmmaker caught wind of the lawsuit and then was like whoa I want to tell this story like what the fuck you know so but I mean it's it's somewhat uh, there's no one defending Michael Jackson in the video you can you can watch four hours of that documentary it's not really one person defending him except for like some footage of like his lawyers at like press conferences and shit. it's used to like position it like so, it's a it's not exactly like a fair and balanced newsworthy documentary but it is definitely takes a look at something dark man yes and that's the bigger picture here is like they're using it just sort of a platform to show what abuse looks like and yeah and that's important and whether or not he did that shit or not i mean like some some fuck there's some kind of fuckery going on someone's lying someone's lying that's that's what we know that someone's fucking full of shit here yeah so with Gert, Chris with Gertie. So are you still gonna listen to Michael Jackson? Before oh yeah, totally. Oh no no no! I, I fucking I still listen to R. Kelly. Last night I was dancing to R. Kelly. I don't give a <laughs> fuck. I'm gonna step in the name of love until my face fucking turns blue. But it's it's still like it's awful what he did to those women. But I I, I just I'm not I I I like art too much <laughs> to let something like that fucking get in the way of me enjoying art because I'm selfish. And the other day, I just want what I want and fucking however I however it got to me is how it got to me. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, you guys were dancing or moving to R. Kelly. What do you guys think? You guys think you're going to fucking stop listening to R. Kelly? You're going to stop listening I mean, to fucking Bill no. Cosby jokes? No, you, but I do. Step in the name of love. I'm going to step in the name of love. When I DJ a public event, I sure as hell don't play it. 
Oh, that's interesting. That's and interesting. I, you know, I, I work for a school and I got to play music all the time. Yeah. And we used to lean on R. Kelly for um, uh, I Believe I Can Fly yeah. and for um, World's Greatest. Yeah. Those are like like at honor roll or yeah. like kid gets kid of the month or something. Very that's what that, inspirational very, song. Yeah, yeah, incredibly inspirational. Like some of his music is so freaking well made. It's like Babyface write a lot of that shit. Uh, R. I, Kelly wrote most of it with with Babyface, but I think he's got most of their credits. Yeah, R. Kelly is a musical. Honestly, he's a musical talent, no doubt. Yeah. And he can sing. Man, those pipes sing his ass up. So that's interesting. That's interesting, Mr. Murray. So you won't, if you're DJing a public event, then you'll take that off the playlist. Yeah, because I just avoid the controversy, you know. Yeah, there you go. I don't want to ruin the, like, lose the gig because because <laughs> you because I believe I can fly. Yeah. You know, I'm like, <laughs> he's trying to inspire people here. Okay, inspire them to. Feel I do like the Double Up album though. That's my favorite album. R was that one called R? It was just called Double Up. Oh, Double Up. Double Up. Like two white chicks. Um, with a tipsy head, gonna, um, basically he's talking about going home with two white girls, but, yeah, it's nice. Got a double up. Good that for were 14 double and 15. Up. Good, oh, for, good for him. Jeez. Um, Stepped yeah. out of the club with a dizzy head, two white chicks in a... What, so what, so what would, what would someone have to do for you to, like, stop like listening to their music or stop supporting them anyway. I mean, I I couldn't really listen to the MJ. I can't get after I watched that documentary, man. Really? <laughs> that shit. I changed the channel. I immediately put on Michael Jackson. I put a record on. And I was like, we're gonna off listen the off the wall. Yeah, yep. uh, we're listening. That'd be my go-to. Off the wall shit. Yeah, but no. I mean, I mean, like, is there anything that is there an act oh, so yeah. heinous? Yeah. Um, like, the, the singer from Tool. The singer from Tool constantly insults his fans. <laughs> and there was a quote, like I'm, I'm sure you guys maybe know better than I do, where he said, like, all the fucking idiot Tool fans are going to fucking buy the record whether we fucking do this <laughs> or that. I've heard that. And that to me is like, when you're when you're actually insulting the art itself is where, where I draw the line. It's like, if the art is good, I can appreciate it. But when you're actually making fun of, like, I, I would never buy fucking those books that are like, Driving for dummies. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't need an insult right on the cover. <laughs> that's that's a that's a good point actually. It's like like people who fucking are so smug about it, who are fucking who don't it's almost like they lose an appreciation for how they got there and why they're in the position they're that in. That to me is very it's a very violation a violation to the art. Yeah, because like it's a very special thing to be able to make money and make a living off of art and, and music and, and it shouldn't be taken advantage of. It's like one of the things that people strive for the most as like uh, other artists. It's like that's all they want is to be able to live off of fucking what they do and what they love. So to 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 sit there and call people dumb and, and uh, to belittle them because you know that they're just gonna go buy your album. They're gonna go if buy the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Because because we're so badass or whatever it is, whatever self aggrandizing things that motherfucker says why he takes a shit in the morning it's like fucking you know it's well what's the point of that but i also think that maynard james keenan is kind of has a sense of humor and i, yeah. I kind of feel and i think There's that sarcasm involved. 
Uh, well, yeah. And you clear it up afterwards, but I didn't hear no like uh, follow-up quote. Or anything. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, hearing him on Rogan's podcast, Joe Rogan. I, I hate when I say Rogan's podcast. Like he's my friend. Uh, it's like Rogan. Joe, he's the you know me and Joe. Fear is a factor there. Um, <laughs> the, but you know, like you hear him on that, and he's he's actually really funny. So for for me, on that behalf or that specific statement I mean I would have to just question like where it's coming from if it's really coming from like a place stone, I think it's where the quote came from well I, I mean I have to look into it but like you know I mean it, it, that's your opinion yeah that's how you feel that's great you know like I think that's a great point uh, you know like if someone's shitting on art like legitimately shitting like, on the art says anybody who buys my records an idiot I'm not gonna volunteer to buy the record <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like uh yeah, no, pick me, pick me, I'm the biggest idiot. But, so is there is there any kind of heinous act that an artist would do that would make you stop besides talking shit about the art? Anybody? I mean I guess it's just like one of those Sustin kids is definitely on my list. I don't want to listen to your music. Big one. That is a big one. Bye bye one. Are you anyway? We were we were having this big debate yesterday about um, driving through uh, the eight on in Arizona because of Border Patrol, and uh, we we're we we're kind of you know we got we don't want to get fucked with by the by the feds. It's a ticket, you know. It's nothing to be fucking. Yeah, it's no felony or anything, but it's still like a ticket. Yeah, it's gonna fuck our day up. We're gonna get a big ass ticket in the mail, you know. So that's a pain in the ass. To me, it, it was it, to me. It upsets me that we even had to have the conversation. It's annoying to me. Like, like, why are we talking about this? Like, why are we still talking about fucking crossing board, imaginary lines with weed with a plant? Dude, my cousin. My cousin is one of the reasons I play music. When I was 12 years old, I went out to Minnesota, and he was getting married, right? And he played at his own wedding. After the wedding was over, he wrote, he had a black suit on and a tuxedo, it was a tuxedo tee and a black leather jacket and he rolled it down the aisle on his Harley. Oh, And had And sat on his Harley while they did the vows. That life. That then, cool. at the end of the vows, you may kiss the bride, they French kiss, like tongues fucking like, <laughs> like are basically like face fucking each other. Yeah. She jumps on the back of the bike and they fucking rip down the road. Yeah. And everybody in my family, I'm like, dude, my family's way cooler than I thought, right? They just left the whole wedding there. And then so we follow them, like, down the road to this barn where the band instruments are all set up. And he comes, he's the drummer, and he and he's, comes out right away. The door opens, the band is, starts the first song, Johnny yeah. Be Good, he's the singer. And they're just fucking murking it. I thought this guy was the coolest guy in the world, Darren. And a great visual artist, too. He was a muralist. Uh, 15 years, he just got out of prison because he did 15 years hard time because he had a truck full of uh, like low-end weed and was and got caught in Grand Rapids and uh, 15 years for Bud. Wow. Yeah, and now it's completely legal in fucking Michigan. Kind of. Kind of completely legal. But like, but, but I mean like that's like no one's gonna get that time back. Yeah. And there's also a yeah. difference between carrying a fucking eighth of Weed across a fucking, you know, a checkpoint and fucking in a state, in a state pounds, you're already he had in. Pounds, too, he had pounds and he did cross fucking federal or state but, line. But it's just a stupid plant. It hurts nobody. The fact that alcohol is something that is is 
is acceptable and this is not is is insulting to fucking the entire world it, it, it's when you look at like the shit that's caused when people are drinking and the shit that's caused when people are smoking weed it, there's a huge disproportionate fucking there's a lot of evidence that shows that weed cannabis is a lot like it has evolved with humans a lot like the way dogs have that it's actually been something that's been a uh, companion crop for humanity through history and now a lot of research is coming out that's new that's that, that wasn't on people's radar before about the human's endocannabinoid system. And this is all information I think that's been strategically hidden from us so that we could be sold some other shit. Right. You know, sold fucking morphine. Or sold... Yeah. Plastics. Yeah. Or yeah. fucking pills, Prozac. Or, or fucking... Or acid, man. Hemp alternatives, <laughs> you know? Or like, fucking alcohol. Alcohol. Fucking... Just out of nowhere, I'll just... Acid, man. A lot of a lot of like what causes illness is autoimmune, not necessarily the actual um, pain uh, or the actual injury caused, but your body's reaction to it. Yeah. And this is where yeah, weed can actually improve your perception of your own injuries, so you can body can heal itself closer to its potential. And something very dangerous to big pharma and a lot of other entities. You know? Yeah, totally. Well, even in Arizona, I think. I was, or was it Arizona? Because they were trying to get the weed passed. Um, one of the biggest proponents was Pfizer or whatever. Like, like these these pharmaceutical companies are actively working against fucking cannabis legalization. Now, but the ball's already rolling. The ball's already rolling. I don't think it's going to slow down. The tide has turned. This is where we go up to ten. But then again, I didn't think that we were going to be like. I mean, didn't they repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell? Isn't that like... They did. Reinstate? Like, I didn't think that we'd go backwards on that. So, here's the thing about our country right now. We're in a volatile state where, like, the tides can shift in any direction very quickly and in a very sweepingly, and it could go really good or really bad or, I don't know. Weed has very broad, bipartisan, even people that are tuned out from politics. Across the board, people have good... Um, you know, they, they're not... They don't, they don't have this deep down fear of it, which is so easily pushed when, you know, if you want to change the the public's, you know, opinion on something, you, you got to tap that fear button or something. People are not afraid of weed. It's been around, It ha, you know, there was a movie, uh, Walk Hard, that had a funny quote. It's like, they were talking about doing all these different drugs, and it's like, cocaine, you fucking oh, yeah, have all yeah. these, like, it's a nightmare, and the guy's like, like, don't do it, dude. You don't do it, man. Do weed, it. man. It's a you, gateway drug. It's a gateway drug. You get slightly more hungry. Music sounds a little bit better. <laughs> and, yeah. and you're generally in a better mood. It's yeah. a nightmare. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't want to try it. it. Sounds like It sounds like how you start yeah. saying like something like that. Yeah, that's it's a nightmare. And then you talk about cocaine. I don't want to try me some of that cocaine. Cocaine? <laughs> Here we stop. That shit's funny. There's absolutely no side effects. It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Are we, are, we, are we doing potty break? It our, makes music sound better and food our way tastes better. Junction to, to ten. We're oh, we're our way to oh, Jeremy's we're, house. Oh, I see. I, oh, we're like going other places. We can do a potty shot though, if you guys can. What is right, it? I gotta go pee. If you ladies can hold it, we can. Next one is can. cactuses, or what? Oh, are we doing a cactus photo shoot? Are we gonna do a cactus photo shoot? Cactus photo. I'm down. I'm so fucking down. Christy Rose, eat your heart out. Yeah. One of these ghost towns or what? Is there a ghost town? Yeah, I think we're in a fast one. Oh yes, please a ghost town, please. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, well I think that 
I mean, we've been Wrap going. That, we've been going for a good hour it's twenty. Hour and a half. Yeah, I think that's up uh, with all the songs and all the all banter. the good banter. Good banter. We went, we went pretty deep into some stuff, bro. We so we went we're going real deep into uh, Skinky's classified security clearance. But <laughs> we gotta turn off the. We're gonna turn it off. The turn it off. But no, you know what's funny is that like once you get some booze in him and he starts telling you those weird stories. Like last time you weird me. I won't repeat it just because like I'm I, you know re- I respect. Yeah. But Future but alert. you were just like when you said what you said last night. I, it kind of like froze me in my spot. Like oh my <laughs> god, Jesus Christ! And you just laughed about it. Hey, this is what I do. <laughs> and but I think that uh, it kind of calls back to your uh, your your way of looking at uh, a special forces person way of looking at uh, what you had to do your duty as opposed to someone who's just like an infantryman like your training is so you ever notice Skanky doesn't ever sit with his back to the door <laughs> those are things are just like you fucking innate I guess you'd say bro just but, but, but yeah but Due to training, like due the training, intense amount of training dude, that you trust had. me, those infantry dudes are fucking badass. Oh, too, no, 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 man, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, when I you're talking a little about... Bit, I just had a little bit more training than That's that, what I'm right? saying. Like, when you look at people with special forces <laughs> compared to people who just go in and maybe don't have that amount of training, you know, like, the way they react to what they've had to do mm-hmm. as a part of their duty is, is different. There's different uh, traumas that uh, stick. But anyways, let, that's a whole nother yeah. fucking thing. <laughs> So thanks for having us, man. Oh shut up! You guys been on this show like fucking a whole bunch of times. The fucking sound of freedom, god damn it! Fucking freedom. We'll be in Phoenix tonight. What? That's not gonna matter by the time this comes out. We'll be last exit live. Big up, fucking J Ross or what's J Rock? J J Rock. J Rock. J Rock. J Rock -Rock, uh, Entertainment Management. He's been helping us out a lot, man. He, God, he's in our prayers, dude. He's got cancer. He's fighting it off and. uh, He's still out there pushing, man. So say a prayer for Jeremy. God bless you. And guys. abolishing the charter school movement is a very racist act. <laughs> is it racist? Yeah, the socioeconomic impact of charters, which only affect brown and black people, uh, giving them an option in public education where those schools have been failing across the board by school districts across the board, is the only, um, and their only chance at having an option in education is a charter school, and they're gonna close those? It's taking uh, schools that are in the worst parts of town and taking them, turning them into pipelines of prison. So, what's their main what's their main purpose for wanting to close them down? Because charter schools do not employ union teachers, and union teachers pay dues. All that money gets pulled and gets given to political candidates. So, when political candidate says, "Hey, we're going to spend more on education," all they mean that doesn't mean they're going to improve education. All they mean is they're going to hire more teachers that pay union dues to give themselves more money. Which is so more votes. It's, yeah, it's more votes. It's a whole, it's a machine that's fixed and it's uh, to your all your children's detriment. With I, that being said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Right, with that being said. Be good to your fellow human beings. HJs for everybody. I'll see you guys out there. Fresh.